innovative, often duplicated. When enough people get on the trend, I elevate it, make it way harder for them to follow what I take. It hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the weight is up. Fight. WHUPLP Hillsboro, North Carolina, the center of the known world. This is the Cage Side Concussion Cast, your source for the fighting arts in the Carolinas and beyond. I'm my friends. My name is Jeff Shaw, and boy, do we have a packed show today. Super excited to have James Quigg from Team Rock in the house. Super excited to talk to my man, Trevor Hayes. How are you doing today, Trevor? Good, sir. Glad we survived the snowpocalypse. Yeah, yeah. shockingly, we did right. survive <laughs> the snowpocalypse, which creates there's, a lot of martial there, arts there's news There's still itself. plenty of bread and milk at the stores for the bread and milk sandwiches and... Yeah. Stuff, yeah. Yeah, I got some <laughs> mustard packets to throw on my vegan bread. It'll be necessary. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, you just have, like, water and bread sandwiches. Yeah, you know what? That. It'll happen. I'm going to lick some algae off of the rocks, like yeah. Lisa Simpson in The Simpsons. <laughs> so we're coming to you live on 104.7 FM, always streaming live at whoopfm.org, wherever you're at. Uh, we're going to talk to James Quigg in a bit about his pro debut, something very exciting. Uh, but first, we're going to summarize a little bit of martial arts news from the weekend, and we have so much in the way of big news that we're going to get right to that. If we missed anything, let us know. We're on Twitter and Instagram at CagesideWHUP. You can use the hashtag CagesideWHUP to get at us as well, or email CagesideWhoop at gmail.com. All the information is on our show page. If you happen to miss the show or you want to check out our back catalog, you can catch the replay at WhoopFM.org or on iTunes or Stitcher, where you should really subscribe. Trust me, you should really subscribe. Um, so one of our first, so if we've missed any martial arts news, let us know. But the first thing I wanted to talk about, Trevor alluded to, which is the snow days, the snowmageddon apocalypse disaster, caused some scheduling problems that thankfully have been resolved with some local martial arts events. Yes, uh, there was supposed to be a next level Fight Club show, uh, the Pro MMA show, coming back to Raleigh, North Carolina. That got moved to February 27th. Feb- uh, our good friends Dewan Owens and Daniel Branch will be on there. Uh, still fighting on that show. Um, anyone from Team Rock on that show? Um, I'm not, not sure. I, I didn't think I think la- Last I knew, we didn't have anyone on that on that show right now. But with the the schedule change, we expect yeah. that's going to mess with some of the fighters. And um, it it seems like we we end up a lot of times being the the team that promoters go to when all else fails yeah, and you some, want yeah. you need someone who's going to put on a good show you know those guys at team rock will come through <laughs> and they can take fights on late if notice. you have a problem if no one else can help and oh. if you can find them maybe you can find roy marsh i, I, feel, I feel like an a team like uh team rock like <laughs> we meme coming with like quig and Sess and roy Dude, i'm absolutely making <laughs> put, an a team photoshop put, put, of those put guys Mikey P on there it's um, funny because the, when we talked to james about his coaches you know you d- mentioned four guys and i was like man four guys on the a team photoshop <laughs> yes, yeah. might have and to then, happen. Um, that moved a. Uh, there's an upcoming uh, kickboxing show in uh, Durham, North Carolina. That's going to be uh, March 27th uh, because the MMA show got moved to that date, mm-hmm. so they moved the kickboxing show back. Um, so it's going to have amateur kickboxing, which means it's clinched, but no uh, knees and elbows to the head. Still allowing head kicks, and there will be pro Muay Thai on that show as well. So that's a. Uh, that to me is a great step in the right direction for the the North Carolina martial arts community because jujitsu and MMA is here. There's not much of a Muay Thai scene like there's yeah, yeah. which there was yeah It'd make my job it's, easier. It's terrific to see some striking coming to Durham and that'll be really like really um, accessible for. And folks actually, just last night there was pro boxing going on in uh, Durham. The one hit promotion guys are the same guys putting on the Muay Thai show, and um, 
yeah, it's just great to see people just promoting uh, martial arts shows mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I, I was going to say, it, it's one of those things that's always funny to me, and I think you've mentioned it before, Trevor, that um, you have people who who watch MMA and then they complain about it being competitive hugging, and then they don't want to turn on the Muay Thai fights where all you're doing is punching, kicking, elbow, and kneeing yeah. people. We're like the lion fights are a great show to watch, man. The glory shows are great yes, to watch. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, people just like to complain, Speaking man. It's like, MMA. You know? Fact. <laughs> God's wearing this. Look at politics. <laughs> yeah, right. Like we'll we'll get into some complaints right. later. We, we should have a, we should have a segment just called complaints where me and Trevor just kvetch about. I don't like the looks of those teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like the two old guys from uh, the Muppet Show. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Statler and Waldorf. Oh Gosh. my God! I, I remind me to show you a Statler and, and Waldorf. And that's your brain on jujitsu. Yeah, man, it works. <laughs> remind me to show you. Remind me to show you a Statler and Waldorf meme that I made earlier that is not fit for radio consumption. So <laughs> while we're talking about events and like, so that's March twenty sixth. February 27th is the next level fighting championships. Um, so MMA, pro kickboxing. There's also our pro and amateur kickboxing. Uh, there's also uh, the IBJJF Atlanta Open is next weekend, February mm-hmm. 6th. And if you compete in jiu-jitsu and you're old like me, they just released the Masters Seniors Worlds dates, which are in, uh, which are in August. So, so check that out. Um, so and at some point, we're going to have to create a martial arts calendar, and it sounds like a job for intern Chris, a.k.a. Intern Chris. Social media manager <laughs> who's, Chris. Who's doing social media duties right now. Right now. Yeah. Who, I'm a, who I'm very happy to say he just applied to the Wilmington School of Broadcasting. Or I did. I don't know if I'm on air right now, but I did. You are. Okay, you are. yeah. So what did you apply to now? Which uh, officially it's your, your intern duties, I guess. UNC Wilmington. Yes. For the the broadcasting, correct? Yes. Good. Now get your face away from the mic. You're done okay, talking. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write Chris the best letter of recommendation in the history of recommendations. It's going to be some oh, yeah, awe-inspiring stuff. Thank you. He would sound very smart. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Rule we'll number cre- one, the whipping boy. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll create an entire bonus podcast. Like one, For the OT, we'll just do a, a Chris recommendation show for like 30 minutes of us saying Down. nice things about Chris. <laughs> and all of them are lies. <laughs> <laughs> As the great poet Charles Bukowski said, it's all lies. Some of it might even be true. <laughs> So a couple more news items. Our man Joe Selecki, who was on the show with Frankie Patches from yes. Team Sarah BJJ yes. Myrtle Beach, won his fight at X Fights in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania last night by head and arm choke in just 38 seconds, uh, fighting like he was late for lunch. You did put that fight on the uh, on the page, correct? So yeah, everybody can watch it. Yep. Yeah, and how did you describe the, the finish there? Uh, he got on that boy like a spider monkey <laughs> and did his jujitsu. And like he, he had like the it was like he had the arm triangle sunk before they hit the ground. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that was pretty cool to watch. Yeah. No no toe grip to pull him to the back <laughs> mount. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no the, next fight. Next fight next for sure. Fight, yeah. well, I, I just remember in uh, not the the UFC with, uh, um, oh, geez, it was two or th- the last two UFCs that the guy, he was in the arm triangle, it was sunk deep, and he pulled himself to the yes, back mount. Yeah. And if you watch it on replay, it was because he got his toes gripped into the cage Michael and pulled McDonald's. himself around. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It, it yeah. would not have happened without the grip in the cage. That's right. I forgot. You're not it. supposed yeah. to put your fingers in the cage. I don't know if there's a rule about toes in the cage. There, there, there will be now. <laughs> but, uh, we can actually go into like a funny story. There was a show in North Carolina where this guy's toes got caught in the cage because he's doing the same thing. Like mm-hmm. He's trying to escape, and the referee's trying to break him. But, like, the referee, like, and the guy is like, yeah, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, just, like, pull it. And he's, like, trying to keep the triangle on, and it was a really big cluster. And then, like, when the ref, like, grabbed the guy's leg and pulled it and undid the triangle, 
and like the guy was so tense or taut or whatever like that, his legs sprung out and cracked the referee right in the groin. <laughs> and I know there's a video of that somewhere. And well, yeah, you know, regardless, that didn't happen to Selecki. He yeah. finished that yeah. triangle, <laughs> Way won ahead, that yeah. fight in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah, congratulations to Young Joe. And how's this for a segue? Speaking of toe grips, one of the best guys I know about using monkey feet is Jason Bumpkin Wingate from Gracie Raleigh. Yep, does incredible things with it with his uh, his crazy crazy monkey feet. And I got some news from him uh, that I wanted to mention. So every every private that Jason Bumpkin Wingate teaches this month, he's going to donate the proceeds to cancer research. Some of you may not know this, but Bumpkin is a survivor uh, of juvenile leukemia, and this is his anniversary of beating cancer. And so uh, we're all really happy that happened. Bumpkin is an awesome guy, and uh, you know we all love the Gracie Raleigh guys. And so if you want to learn some really cool slick ground karate. Uh, Jason is a great guy to learn from. He's really technical, very smooth, very skilled. I've learned a lot from him. And if you want to, so if you want to learn some jujitsu and uh, benefit a really good cause, uh, you know, cancer research, then get up, get at him. Um, you know, I'm sure you can contact him through the Gracie Rally Facebook page. Uh, and yeah, so I would certainly endorse Gracie Rally downtown Hargett Street yeah. by the pit. Great barbecue. A little known fact. Little known fact. If you if you buy two privates, you get a free undercut. From, is that right? From, yeah, absolutely. He's gonna give you a free hairstyling, a free hard part. Yeah. It's, uh, I think, I think that's right. You know, you might, might want to check in with him with the details. It might, it might be that just Chris Luter shows up and shaves your head. It might be that too. I'm not sure. Or it gives you prison tattoos. I'm <laughs> yeah. <right>. So, <laughs> so a couple of other things. I mean, this is a long news segment. We'll get into our featured interview with James in just a second. Although I'm glad you're jumping in on the news stuff as well. So two kind of big items of news that I'm really, really excited to announce. First of all, uh, uh, unfortunately, like, so James is gonna film a technique video for us. He's gonna mm -hmm. go and train with Trevor and his goobers. After this, so if you want to see some awesome Team Rock favorite MMA techniques, check our Facebook page in the next couple days. Thank you for doing that. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, because he's going to train, that means he can't hang around to do the OT, which is our overtime segment that we sometimes post just directly to SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. The great news is we do have an OT segment this week with the one and only Michelle Nicolini. Now, for those of you that don't know Michelle Nicolini, Michelle Nicolini is a legend of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, one of the greatest women fighters of all time, certainly top three, maybe the best, has won the world's eight times, won absolute at the world's Abu Dhabi champion has won basically everything that you possibly can win in jiu-jitsu and has been on my list to train with for years. And so yesterday, I uh, uh, drove nine hours round trip just so I could train with Michelle Nicolini, who taught me some awe-inspiring <coughs> stuff and was gracious enough to give me about a half-hour interview, um, which is awesome, and it's up on our SoundCloud page right now, uh, which is Cage Side, you know, Cage Side Concussion Cast on SoundCloud. It's also on iTunes and Stitcher. So please, please, please go and check that out. Trust me, it's worth your time. You can hear Michelle talk about her famous match at the 2014 Worlds with Tammy Musumichi, where she won her eighth world championship. And if you haven't seen that video, I will post it to the Facebook in the next couple of days because she dislocates Tammy's elbow in a grisly fashion when Tammy wouldn't tap. And both of those women are just fierce, fierce warriors. It's an incredible match, um, an incredible story where you have the young upstart. It was Tammy's first year at the Worlds at Black Belt. Um, she's up on points, I think two points without a minute to go. Michelle catches her in an arm lock, and Tammy's like, you know I'm not tapping. And the arm just goes. And, and, and so I asked Michelle about that, about her experience in that match, along with other things. If you want to hear about that, if you want to hear about Meta Morris, about women in jiu-jitsu, about her most memorable moments, then please, please, please check out our SoundCloud page or, on, or subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you like us, leave us a review. 
So the last news item, and Trevor and I are super stoked to announce this. Um, so excited. Dude, uh, we've been planning this for quite a while, and we just secured the dates. You've been planning it, and I just say, that's a good idea. We should do that. And you go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's I don't give much input. Jeff says, do the thing, and Trevor does the thing. I'll yeah. do the thing, yeah. Tre- Trevor, uh, Trevor. Or Jeff would be like, hey, should we do this? And I'm like, yeah, you're smart. We should do that. <laughs> Trevor, hug James Quigg right now. Hug him. Yeah. Mm, See, oh, look at so that. So meaty. Yeah, intern Chris, is take it a picture. Hugs or yeah, yeah, right. Huh? Exactly. Why are you? What well, MMA? Stranger is, danger. M- <laughs> MMA is just hugging. Look at those two guys. They're just hugging each other on the ground. <laughs> but, let me just let me just hug your neck real yeah, quick. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> just let it happen. Um, so, Whisper so, sweet nothings into my ear. So especially with my beard poking into your ear while I'm doing this it. This is what I was afraid ass. of. Like we're just gonna keep getting off topic like this for the whole show. We're totally on topic. Manly yeah. beards are always on topic. That's and, true. So here's the thing, and actually, manly beards are kind of on topic for this because this May first event. Please put May first in your calendar. We are calling this the Concussion Cast Carnival. It is going to be our first live event. We're going to tape the podcast live with a lot of interesting audience participation segments. We're going to have jujitsu super fights that we're going to be announcing over the next months. We have a couple of super fights planned that I think are going to blow your mind. We're going to have six or seven great matches. We're going to have free seminars. We're going to have some women's self-defense seminars, jujitsu seminars, hopefully a Muay Thai mini seminar as well. And all of that martial arts stuff that... Hopefully... Some luchador wrestling too. Hopefully, some luchador wrestling. There's like th- th- anything could happen, really. That's that's like my big thing. Is I want some, some luchador wrestling. That is not impossible. It's and not. The, and the beauty- I know you have the hookup for that. I got the I got the hookup. Oh yeah, buddy. Don't you? And like, l- listen, folks. I promise you, this is going to be an awe-inspiring, awesome event. We're going to have a dunk tank. Yes. Where you can dunk the shark, which is Trevor in his shark onesie, or yes. you can dunk the vegan, which is me in some kind of non-leather hemp, whatever it is I wear. I'm gonna you just cover you in lettuce. Oh, good. You know, no. Actually, <laughs> I'm just gonna cover you in like heads of lettuce, dude. Depending on how many Shaw doing the Lady Gaga Redux. <laughs> yes, the, the anti-bacon bikini. Yeah, dude, the vegan Lady Gaga man. We, we could absolutely set, if we could set a donation target and we hit a certain amount. I will absolutely wear a lettuce lettuce bikini. Oh and like, I, I mean, I might wear By one the anyway. Fourth dunk, it will have dissolved. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I used to live on a nudist park, so and that's actually true. But we'll talk about that some other time. Uh, uh, but but uh, but yeah. Yeah, so, so, so we're going to have carnival games. We're going to have fun stuff. We're going to have some really interesting visual stuff. And I'm very excited about this. Food trucks and craft beer. Uh, Triangle Beans and Bowls will be there serving acai bowls as well as cold press coffee, which is going to be exciting. And so we're going to announce more stuff about this event um, as, soon as, as soon as we can. Yeah, I'm we, telling all my friends, skip my birthday and come do this <laughs> instead. This is basically your birthday party. I will, have a, I will also have a big vegan cake for Trevor with, with, uh, with, with candles on it. Trust me, vegan cake can be delicious. But I d- will it be gluten free? <laughs> I don't know. No, I I want uh, all the gluten. Is the thing. Yeah. I, I like gluten. I don't know how I feel about a vegan cake. <laughs> oh, you know, well, you wouldn't even know it. It's okay. just going to be made of lettuce. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, he's a lettuce. I was going to say then. Then Trevor just ruins it all by cracking an egg, an egg on top <laughs> and an covering it with it bacon. And bacon, yeah. <laughs> I saw this thing, so so uh, so Pinterest is you know cra- me so well. <laughs> so, as long as we're getting off topic, and we'll we'll return to the concussion cast carnival in just a second. But uh, Pinterest is amazing because often you can find uh, women that have children with food allergies that make their recipes accidentally vegan, where it's like, oh, my kid can't have this or that, can't have dairy, so these recipes are vegan, and you can find really great recipes. But the other day, me and expensive radio consultant were 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 looking at the internet, and someone had r- made a recipe that was gluten-free, and it was vegan, except for it was a cupcake surrounded by molded bacon. And so, like, instead of, like, a cupcake container, mm-hmm. it, was, it was actually bacon. And I was like, if these were bacon bits, 
that would actually be vegan because bacon bits have yeah. no no products found in nature in them. But, but really, yeah, yeah, what? nothing oh. in nature. It's all chemistry. It's all chemistry. Wow, it's science. Better folks. living through chemistry. It's science <laughs> indeed. So, folks, to sum up the news segment, we'll get into our featured interview with James Quigg in just a second. In fact, uh, like in about about thirty seconds, because all I got to do is wrap this up and play a bumper, and then we'll see you on the flip side. But. May 1st. Please mark it on your calendar. It's going to be at least noon to 3, maybe an all-day event. Jiu-Jitsu super fights, food trucks, craft beer, carnival games, dunk me and Trevor in the dunk tank, free seminars for self-defense, free seminars for striking, free seminars for jiu-jitsu. It's going to be fantastic, and the proceeds are going to go. We're asking a $10 suggested donation. The proceeds are going to go to help Cage Side MMA, Toro BJJ, and Triangle Jiu-Jitsu expand their facility, which is going to happen later this summer. If anybody has any questions, hit me up, cagesidewhoop at gmail.com. But please, please, please uh, put that on your calendar and watch for the Facebook event. And hang with us for about 15 seconds. We will be back with our interview with James Quigg. Cowboy karate. Cowboy, Cowboy karate. karate. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Cape Side Concussion Cast on WHUPFM.org. So let's get right back into it. Now, James, you are you're making your pro MMA debut uh, in Georgia, and we're, we're going to talk about that soon because uh, we want people to go out and support you for that. We want folks to get tickets. But I'd like to start by talking about how you got started in your martial arts journey, and I understand you started wrestling when you were eight years old. Yep. Uh, I was hanging out with, you know, I, I had a good friend of mine. My Actually, let me rewind. So my dad wrestled, um, He but... He had a nasty cut when he started wrestling from like 140 to 112 and neither him nor my mom really wanted me to wrestle. They weren't going to prohibit me from doing it, but they certainly didn't ever bring it up. But it turned out my best friend at the time, Mike Crone, I couldn't hang out with him two, three days a week during the winter. And I was like, why is that? What are you doing? It's like, oh, I'm going to wrestling practice. Go home. Mom, dad, I want to start wrestling so I can hang out with Mike. And then, you know, this was in a... Rock Falls, Illinois, we moved to Sterling. It's still, you know, two little steel mill towns surrounded by cornfields, the middle of nowhere, Illinois. Next, you know, fast forward um, seven, eight years, I'm going to USA Nationals in Fargo, North Dakota. Um, the, actually, the first year I went, I was in the Greco tournament that Henry Sayoto, current UFC fighter, went through and had no points scored on him. I didn't wrestle him uh, on, you know, at that point, I wrestled a dude from Pennsylvania who grabbed me, tossed me for five, tossed me for five, tech fall, the match is over. Then that dude ends up in the finals against Henry Seudo, tossed for five, tossed for five, match is over. Seudo wins, no points scored on him in Greco that year. Wow. Moved to California, wrestled two years there. Then I went off to college. Um, I didn't go on to, to wrestle with West Point, the university that I went to, and I started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and they told me, hey, you know, I realized that, hey, everything that wrestling tells me I can't do is the whole point of this sport. <laughs> this is awesome. Um, and another little foible about West Point is that boxing is a mandatory course there. So you do half a semester of boxing, half a semester of gymnastics. But I started punching people and thought that was really cool. Um, you know, I'm, I managed to get through and, and not fail out of West Point. Graduated pretty decently in my class. I went off to Fort Knox, trained with Jason Keaton um, on Fort Knox, Derek Cecil up in Louisville, Kentucky. Then I came out here to Team Rock, and I've been there ever since, trained 
under Jay Palacios and Seth Stevenson. Then Jason Quas took over, and now I sometimes will bounce back and forth between Team Rock Fayetteville and Team Rock Southern Pines, training with Roy Marsh, who you might have heard on this program, because mm-hmm. you know, now I live in Sanford, so I'm kind of equally distant between um, Fayetteville and the Raleigh-Durham area and Southern Pines, mm-hmm. so I like to bounce around and get all the training I can. That's fantastic, and that's kind of the, the, the names that you mentioned are kind of an all-star team of instructors. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you also you also train quite a bit with Mike the Bully Pagano yes. as well. Um, you know, everybody knows who's listening to this show knows how good Roy Marsh is, how amazing and technical he is. If you haven't seen Palacios, Jay Palacios is outstanding in like basically Monster. every arena of martial arts. Well, I mean, he he fought the in the IFL. He fought out in Japan. He's he's a beast. Now he's a, a world jujitsu competitor. Mm-hmm. You know, I I want to say he's somewhere in the top fifty. Mm-hmm. He just destroys people, and it's ridiculous because he he lives that lifestyle. So he's he living walks, in Washington State now. Is yes. that where he moved to? Yep. Yeah, okay. he yep. he moved out to Washington. Um, him and Will Haggerty both moved out that way. Um, Me and Palacios agreed to switch places because you know there's too much awesome in one yeah, place at one yeah, time. Yeah. And you got to kind of spread it out. Spread it out across <laughs> the nation. It's only fair. It's only fair. Quast also is a beast. Hoist Gracie Black Belt. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, and and I wanted to specifically great tr- dental plan that guy has. <laughs> <laughs> About that. <laughs> is he going to show up? Please don't. <laughs> I was going to say, is Quast outside the door, banging, <laughs> no. banging on it right now? I also really wanted, like, I'm glad that you brought up Cess because, uh, you know, when we started doing the show, you know, you always want to get. You know, prominent people in the local community, people that there's a lot of respect for. And whenever you ask, like, who's the best MMA trainer in the region, Sess's name comes up. Is someone was one that comes up consistently. So, what what is it like getting to train with Sess on a regular basis? Well, so the the funniest thing about training with Sess is he like he'll say over and over and over and over again, I don't do technique. You know, so he what he's great at is picking an attribute, picking something that he wants to see you improve on. And building drills and building the training session around that. Um, so, give me an example. Um, you know, it, it's, like footwork or like. Well, if he if he picks footwork, he's gonna look around. And he's gonna say, okay, we're gonna do these drills to practice footwork. We're gonna do these drills. Uh, you know, we're gonna do these drills to start applying footwork, and then we're gonna do these live drills to play with footwork and everything. It, it's always tweaking with with the drills, and maybe he'll call audibles, making sure that hey, you know, I want you to work footwork, so I'm going to put you with this little guy who uses a f- lot of footwork to force you to use footwork, and then I'm going to put you with this guy who's six foot seven because you can't teach six foot seven, um, and now you've got to use footwork to get around those long arms. Mm-hmm. So that that's just just one possible example you know just presenting problems and forcing people to adapt to them this makes a lot of sense to me and matt thornton uh, i don't know if he's the first to come up with this talks about aliveness and Mm -hmm. the martial art is just the delivery system right that that an art has to be alive and that you have to be able to Mm -hmm. apply it against a resisting opponent and and in many cases a six foot seven resisting opponent presents certain problems yes well you know it's one of those things aliveness is important but i always say martial arts is problem solving that's all it is. It's problem solving in the moment. So, you know, when we talk about MMA, it is less about those techniques, those specific tools that you have, and more how and when you decide to use them. So, again, martial arts then becomes a matter not of mastering this technique or mastering that art, but mastering the tools that you have 
and choosing the right time to apply them. That makes perfect sense to me. And I know you wanted to talk quite a bit about the training philosophy mm-hmm. that you have in Team Rock, and obviously that's a huge piece of it. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the bigger part about um, the training philosophy is this concept we have called high-volume, low-impact, high-performance, low-injury. You know, it's one of those things where it, the whole point, of, you know, one of the things that happens in martial arts, I said martial arts is problem-solving, but it's generally solving the problem of another person or persons who want to cause you physical harm by causing them more physical harm faster. So there, there are inherent risks in that. But in order for us to get, you know, to train to our highest level in the fastest amount of time, that means being able to train consistently for as long as possible, which means that we have to structure our training and you have to have that goal of having zero injuries in your camp. Because if you if you go super, super hard, but, you know, and you, you have this sparring session where you throw 60 punches in a round and it's a three-minute round, but you're exhausted afterwards and one of the guy has a con- guys has a concussion, so now he can't come back in the next day, you, you didn't get anything out of it. But if you throw high-volume, low-impact, you throw 300 punches in a round, and both of you can come back and do that same time, same thing the next day. You can do 12, 15 rounds in a day. Like, that's, that produces better outcomes. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can train jujitsu in the morning, train striking in the evening, and train a conditioning workout and come back and do it all the next day with just a few rest days interspersed throughout there and come into the fight at 100%, is better than training 110%, getting an injury. Like my first fight that was here in Durham, turned out I had overtrained. I pushed myself too hard, and I was fighting with a torn bicep tendon and a torn labrum. When I finally got in front of the surgeon, he was like, yeah, you had about half a millimeter before your bicep tendon was going to tear, and your bicep was going to ball up at the bottom of your elbow like a static line injury. Sounds delicious. Yeah. So... You know, I'm I'm glad that that didn't happen while I was fighting Rodney Jordan out of Charlotte, North Carolina, um, right here in in Durham at the Bull City Brawl. Yes. Yeah, at the Bull City Brawl. My first amateur fight was with Bull City Brawls um, in February of 2013, and my last fight in March of 2015, I won the Bull City Brawls 135 pound championship. But that that whole process going through that first training camp not only taught me the importance of training to avoid injury. It also taught me the process of training around an injury because you want to get back in the gym as soon as possible after your injury, but not re-injure it. So I spent, you know, probably three, four months afterwards coming into the gym and tying one that arm with the shoulder, tying that hand to my waist and sparring with just one hand and building my jab up. Um, you know, it's figuring out how to train around those injuries, how to train not to have those injuries in the first place because that's going to allow you to improve more because anytime you're in the gym even if it's doing simple drills you're improving anytime you're out of the gym you're not improving this makes perfect sense to me and one of the things that my instructor and i always always talk about in jujitsu is injury is the enemy Mm, and 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 that like anything that keeps you out of the gym is that that 100 percent is what causes injuries and like i tell people like even though i'm fairly young like i got a ton of injuries early on and because i wasn't training with really good people we were just like all right let's just go be cavemen and then like yeah Yeah. we were tough but like we were injured we were banged up and so now it's like the same philosophy that that lots of output just don't try to hurt each other just keep it technical and keep it smart and then you're going to get so much better from there and you're not getting injured you're not coming to the gym with a broken foot or like a a ruptured tendon in your foot because Mm -hmm. you're 
cracking elbows from throwing stupid stuff. You know, and and for people who talk about how oh you need to get hit to know you can take a hit or something, it's like okay. You need to get hit once yeah. to know whether or not you can take a hit. But if you want to talk about training your <laughs> nervous system, let me ask you that. How do you respond when a fly comes straight at your eye? And you try and swat it. You you flinch away yeah. and you swat it, and you're moving as fast as you possibly can, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter if I'm throwing that fist with everything I've got or if that fist is going to reach out, boop you on the nose, and get out of there. Your nervous system is going to respond the same way. And then you don't have to worry about any person getting hit. Mm-hmm. Trevor, how has your experience affected you as a coach? Like, you know, coming up, you talk about you got hit a lot and you were in this. And like, like I, I, I've seen this a lot with a lot of the old school guys where you started with a room of 10 really tough guys and it ended with a room of five really, really tough guys. And the other guys either got broken or got burned out and mm-hmm. quit. Like, how did your experience affect you? And like, how do you, how, how does this affect you as a teacher and a coach uh, now? Me, like, I, like, so me, I'm one of those people, like, there's a part of me that is a caveman, like not in the fact that I can live without power and I enjoy raw meat, but like, I never had issues getting hit in the head. Like there are some people that like, it's ingrained. They have issues with conflict, if that makes yeah. sense. And then there are some people, me case in point like I never had an issue getting punched and so with like that turned into really bad habits and so now it's always um I, I try to groom people to be um intelligent um you know if the end that what it is is that it's grooming those reactions you know mm-hmm. it's like he he puts a and like even Chris he had that same revelation like like he's you got hit like that first time you're like oh that's not bad but you still like you're not training to just get hit in the head like I was. I was training like this guy's gonna wear himself out, and then I can finally beat him up. Where now it's like you train them like you understand what's happening. Don't let it happen. Keep your hands up. Train the nervous system for the parry, the slip, the counter attack. Boom, 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 you know, boom, boom, boom. Coach, Bob's your uncle. You know, I was I was training once with uh, with Nick Nick the Care Bear Grady, who some people in this area might know as just a powerhouse of a knockout artist. You know, I fight at 135. He he'll fight at 170 he'll fight it you know 185 and he's got all this power and one time i was going Packed for into like a five foot seven frame oh like, it's ridiculous it's like, yeah, he, yeah um but you know he coaches like i just watched you take three punches from nick grady and still complete the takedown like that's awesome now let me teach you not to have to do that mm-hmm. you know because another thing that people don't think about when they train with high volume you know high impact is that every head injury is cumulative you know, you want to talk about UFC fights. The one that I always draw people's attention to is Robbie Lawler versus Johnny Hendricks. You know, we're talking <sighs> about two of the strongest, most powerful knockout artists in the game. Those guys lost years off their lives yeah. in like fights like but that. But thing- I'm thinking of like the McDonald uh, you, Lawler fight. The, I'm thinking the McDonald McDonald Lawler, Lawler yeah. or like the that, Condit Lawler. That, gosh, but, man. You know, yeah. I mean. Those guys, they both knew they were going in against knockout artists, right? So how did they train? You know, Lawler didn't spar at all going into that training camp. Uh, Johnny Hendricks didn't take any headshots because every head injury is cumulative. So every head injury you take in the gym, every time you get rattled in the gym, that's one less time you can fight through and keep fighting through a stunning punch in the cage. You know, I, I James, tell me if this like that's I know the, that's if everyone listening right now needs to keep that in mind. Like, there's a reason why I'm 28 years old, and it doesn't take much to like physically like rock me. Like, I used to yeah. have like an iron chin, used to, yeah. but guess what? My chin got left in the gym, not in a fight. Yeah. 
if that, and, that makes sense. Like, I, no, yeah, it does. And like, I think that's a very important thing, both for like, there, I have two thoughts related to that. And the first is, you know, the more we learn about brain trauma and the more that we learn, mm-hmm. you know, I've had a lot of, you know, I've had numerous concussions myself and the more you have, the easier it is to get. And yep. that's what's, what's frightening, not only for your performance, because it does affect your performance, but also for your long-term health, which is something that you have to keep in mind in terms of lifestyle. Yeah, your chronic encephalitis that, that affects, you know, if it, if it affects people in the NFL, if it affects our soldiers coming back from Iraq with, you know, the traumatic brain injuries, I'm really, really grateful that I'm coming into the fight game at the time I am after all of those studies, after all that science has been done to help me understand how to preserve my brain so that I don't turn around and have those problems when I'm 35, 40, 50 years old. Because when I started out, I was kind of a Frankenstein who's like, oh, I would rather get punched in the face than take a clean body shot. Because Personally, I find that body shot much more uncomfortable. <laughs> so much worse. It is so much more terrible than getting punched in the face. But the fact of the matter is, is that my brain can't take that. And I would like to be, you know, at, I'd like to be following in the footsteps of Elio Gracie doing jujitsu until I'm 92, 96 years old and then just falling down dead one day. <laughs> yeah. Like when I was younger, it was literally like, oh, you have headgear on. You're okay. And then like you're leaving the gym like, where am I? So, like, what's happening? So, wait, how do how do I spell plane? I'm trying to. Yeah. T- I can't. This it's a simple. I know how to spell plane. I'll, I'll be, Why I'll can't be in school I spell the next plane? day? Like, wait, what class are we taking right now? Like, yeah. what is like? It was it was horrible. Like that was our. But that's how it was. Like, it was yeah. like when you were when you were younger. When I was like a teenager, it was like, oh, you have headgear on. You're okay. It's oh god, were we wrong? Mm-hmm. And, so and wrong. like, I don't know if this segs into something you wanted to talk about, James, about the state of, of modern mixed martial arts. One of the things that disturbs me about the fight game as an entertainment sport and mm-hmm. prize fighting is that sort of stuff is privileged. And you see the UFC, but also lar- smaller promotions, really promoting brawls that are like wild dudes throwing haze as like this is the product that we want to put out. And from an entertainment value perspective, I understand that, but from like a a love of the a love of the art perspective, it galls me. And from a, someone who's concerned about the long term health of fighters, it, it it upsets me as well. So the thing is, though, is if you're if you're training properly, right? You know, Carlo Carlos Condit being the exception because it seems like every time he gets in that cage, he has a fight of the night. You know, he fights GSP to a ridiculous decision. He fights Johnny Hendricks to a ridiculous decision, loses a close decision. Now he fights Johnny Hendrick. I mean, uh, now he fights Robbie Lawler to a ridiculously close decision that's fight of the night, and both guys are beat up and their heads are all shook up. Most guys don't do that. Most guys don't have that that experience. So if you if you're coming in and you train right, you train you know high volume low impact and then you have that one brawl or that one tight you can come back from that and your brain can recover as long as you you know you recover properly and remembering that recovery is an important part of your training and if you do have an injury recovering that becomes your new training goal getting back to full health is now your number one priority and your secondary priority is improving your skill set um, but when I talk about the the state of MMA, yes, it's frustrating as a dude who knows what I'm looking at sometimes to see people bringing together these exciting matchups with low skill value. But unfortunately, we look at the consumer base and that's what they want to see. Is what, is what we're told at least. Well, I'm and, not gonna but, lie. I'm one of those people. Sometimes, like I love watching a fight. Good clean jab, slips, counters, boom. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great. There's something about seeing a slobber knocker sometimes can be really fun to watch, yeah. and, I, and I hate being like a fan of that. Like from when I was a kid, like it was like, man, sometimes like a slobber knocker is fun. I mean, you like, know, it, it's at, at, at a high level it pisses me off to see that. But, but like when you go to a low level show, you kind of expect to you see know, that. Until, That's why I go to until Virginia I trained, I really <laughs> didn't know the difference between a Rocky fight and 
I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you the difference between watching um, Rocky and Apollo Creed versus Mickey Ward versus Arturo Gotti. Mm-hmm. Like, right. I couldn't have told you that difference. Now I can, and now that's important to me. But having been that dude who couldn't see, you know, I can see where the, the modern fighter, is, you know, the, the modern fight audience that's, you know, more of a lay audience is going to continue to demand that stuff. Well, see, from my perspective, and like I agree with that, and I agree with both things that you guys said, which is it can be fun to watch the knockdown, drag out yep. dudes, throwing haze. For me, fighting is really fascinating. To get back to something you said, James, about watching people solve problems in different yep. ways, right? Like some guys are going to like, oh, I have to take this fight to the mat. This guy has too much power. Oh, wait, I have an advantage on the feet. Stuff like that. That kind of like chess match really um, it, it, it intrigues me. But one of the things that I think it's incumbent upon promoters to do and especially the UFC it's incumbent on people to educate the audience because just because an un- the average fight fan walks in and is like oh I understand these guys throwing from their heels as hard as they can if you look at what pride was in its in its heyday you had Japanese fans clapping for half guard transitions mm-hmm. and clapping for slips for like a really good footwork and there's no reason that we can't get that here in the states so or get that I, I would I would say that uh, the UFC is doing a great job of that. I mean, just look at the the color commentating. You know, at one point Joe Rogan didn't know what he was looking at, and now he's a black belt. Mm-hmm. You know, when we have these educated dudes who are exciting and interesting to listen to, but also know and love the sport, that's how you get the education. Having people come out there and talk to people. You know, I I had. At one point, I had a girlfriend. She loved watching the fights with me because I would break them down for her. There are people out there who mm-hmm. really care about, who like understanding the breakdown. Uh, and then there are people who just want to see somebody get their head knocked off. But it's also one of those things to keep in mind that it's great when you can have that, you know, super technical dude, a Petrosian from kickboxing, oh, yeah. who's, you know, you're going to see him in there and he's going to be throwing these basic combos, but by the end, you know, he's still throwing this basic stuff, and the other dude who was flashier it can barely he's hold his hands out. up. He's he just, you know, you, apart, you just yeah. watch this other, rather than seeing Petrosian change, you watch the other dude drop off. Sometimes you get a Lawler McDonald, Rory McDonald, where the dudes are covered in t-shirts of each other's blood, and they're just still going at it until one of them falls down. And then sometimes you get... Damian um, Maya against Gunnar Nelson. Yeah, right? you get a yeah. date where... Or uh, or the Ryan Hall fights where these guys get together and one dude... You know, you have two different skill sets coming to match against each other. And it's recognizing that each one of those are exciting to a different part of your audience. As an, and as a promoter, I would look to have each one of those matchups come into play if possible. That makes perfect sense to me. And I want to get into your own fight career here Mm -hmm. because you have your pro debut coming up. It's a very exciting step for you. And so we'll talk about how people can get tickets and and promote that in a second. But you had a really successful amateur career. And so before we talk about your pro debut, I want to know about what your favorite fight is. Was it the fight against Jordan? Was it the fight where you won the belt at the Bull City Brawl? Or or is there something else that you could point to? Well, the the fight with the Bull City Brawl is probably the one that's that's most important to me. one, because it was my fifth amateur fight, which meant that going into that one and getting that win meant that in the state of North Carolina, I was now eligible to go pro. Two, it was coming home for me. You know, my first fight was a debut right there in the armory in Durham, and I was fortunate enough to have uh, Hoist Gracie sitting in the audience watching. That Jay- was a cool night. That yeah. was a cool yeah. night. You know, Jay-, Jay Palacios came up, and I just thought I was doing good MMA, and Jay, Jay- 
Palacios comes up to me afterwards like, hey, brah, you know, I just wanted to tell you that Hoyas was really impressed by your jujitsu in the cage for MMA. And I was like, ah! <laughs> um, you know, and then I come back and I'm fighting and I'm fighting this, you know, fire plug of a kid. You know, he's a few inches shorter than me, but he's ripped. He, he was a what a power lifter in yeah. high school. I, and he still holds like all the like the state records for like powerlifting for right. his thing. Like he's a little fire. You know, and, and honestly, that the only reason that I I was prepared for that fight is because we've got a similar guy, Frankie Mercado. Oh yeah, that is dude. every is the same size, is ridiculously strong. Um, who now is preparing for a bodybuilding competition? Because he, he was like, "Hey, don't hate me on Facebook." Yeah. He, he, had the, actually, he had the figure posing thing. Yeah, like, hey, don't I actually have me. screenshots of Mercado on my phone, so I can show them to people. Yeah. Just be and, like, "This is what a ripped dude looks like." Yeah. And the, the thing about Mercado is the whole reason he's doing that bodybuilding competition is because he knows that he's going to get that. You know, my biggest struggle throughout the fight game had been not so much training for or winning fights, but getting opponents to agree to and stick with fights. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a promoter call us and be like, well, nobody wants to fight James because he's a black belt. And it was like, I'm not a black belt. I, at the time, I think I might have still been a purple, a blue belt, but I'm still only a purple belt. Um. <laughs> well, like, uh, yeah. I mean, th- there's the, there's a, a major issue with folks dropping out of particularly amateur fights. Mm-hmm. Um, and it so, sucks, man. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's, awful. there are lots of different... Roy, Roy Marsh and I talk a lot about what can be done about that because it's very frustrating when you cut weight, you do the, the right lifestyle stuff to prepare, and then there's no consequences for somebody to, yeah. to not fight you. But fortunately, you're making a segue into a new era of your career, mm-hmm. and you're going to fight in Georgia. And yep. what, what, what's the date of that? So that's going to be 20th of February in Augusta, Georgia at the um, Bell Auditorium, Bell Arena, the... It's like the James Brown Auditorium in the Bell Arena or something like that. Uh, you know, you've posted the the poster. I've posted the poster, so people can find the link. You get the you can get the tickets online. Um, and when you pull it up, you look in the look for the little promotions button. Type in my last name, and that'll help. You know, show the representation to show that hey, there are people out there who actually want to see James Quigg fight. You know. Come out and and represent the the Raleigh Durham the North Carolina martial arts down in Georgia and say hey you know we want to see North Carolina become a center of mixed martial arts in this country and we'll continue to post that link along with the details about uh, posting Quig in the in the promotions tab uh, leading up to your fight so folks can can but do that I I did get down a rabbit hole one of the other reasons I wanted to say that my Bull City Brawl fight my my March 2015 fight is so important to me is because that was my first fight by TKO every fight before that I'd won um. Three fights by rear naked choke. One one fight by accidental armbar with Fight Lab. <laughs> accidental um, armbar. Those are yeah, best kind of armbar. Which one was that? I don't. That that was the uh, fight against Philip Church, January twenty third of twenty fifteen. Uh-huh. I um was in a. Uh, this mount- is how I know that you train really well because you hold on to dates. Really well. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of that comes from when I was in the army. One of my as an officer, one of my jobs was to manage my. Um, units training plan. Oh, okay, so I I controlled the calendar for a 500 person organization and made sure that everybody. <sighs> so you know, adult. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's, beard. Right, it's so a terrible idea. Arm, so That's what I, hear about. I I was mounted. I was postured. Um, and I had his elbow fed over my thigh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Because I I have a tendency. I 
play what with a principle called knee to elbow. Anytime that I'm in a position, I'm going to have my knees close to my elbows. And if I get your arm between my elbow to knee, it isolates that arm. In this case, I was trying to isolate it to continue punching him in the face. But he, he gave a big buck. He bridged oh. really hard. And I postured. But, but his his wrist stayed caught under my armpit as I postured, and he started screaming, so the ref had to step in and stop it. So I wasn't trying to armbar him. Um, I, but, and Coach also calls it the Captain Morgan armbar because I, I had the one knee down, one knee up, and it was fed over, and I postured oh, really yeah. big. Um, maybe maybe was, that's the beauty technique you teach. You can do the <laughs> Captain I, I Morgan I want to say like, that's the only fight of yours that I missed, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that was one over in Charlotte. I didn't know if you made it to the Winston-Salem one. I uh, was there, and then I was in the Virginia one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, because I just kind of like showed up and I was like, "Oh, you're fighting, cool." Hey. Yeah, e- <laughs> each one of those fights is is really fun. Was really fun for me. I mean, I only have five fights so far, so I can talk about each one and why I liked that fight. You know, Virginia was really fun because I it was the first time I got to elbow somebody, and there's nothing so satisfying <laughs> right? as planting your hand on someone's face and when they pull it off, dropping an elbow into it. Um, they're like, like I w- put the hand back. Put the <laughs> hand back. <laughs> they're like, oh god. It's like it's like driving a car. It's like I've heard I've heard about doing this for so long that you do it. It's like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it is one of those things where you can watch the look on their their face of I made a regret. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know the the February fight that in Winston Salem with Ring of Dreams against uh, Davila was a lot of fun for me because that was one of my first times fighting a dude, you know, whose basis was more. Um, punching. You know, at the time I fought Rodney Jordan, he was more of a judo guy. He had a judo background. You know, I caught him with a jab and he grabbed on to me. Uh, the Bull City Brawls Championship, that was a guy, a power lifter. He wanted to get a hold of me so he could apply that strength. Davila's got a really solid boxing background. And I got in that cage and I was able to match his boxing and use my transitions from boxing to wrestling to set everything up. So it was also fun because that was my first fight to ever make it into the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, it's awesome that you can talk about each of your five fights in detail, but like I also want to know about the upcoming fight. Like, do you have mm-hmm. what do you know about the opponent? What's your strategy going in? And how does that inform your training? Well, so one of the things that that we we talk about when we train is because of, and some of this is because of our history of you know I get a fight. And then they pull out, and then we get another opponent, and then they pull out. We don't so much train for opponents. We train for dates. So we're less focused about how I match up about that specific individual. And some of it's because, you know, I'm not in the UFC. So if I if I were getting ready to, to fight a, a Dominic Cruz or a Uriah Faber, I'm probably going to tailor that entire camp around that one guy. But, um, you know, I'm still new to this. Both of us still have kind of immature games, and we still have major holes in our games that we're trying to fix. So I can't be confident that the guy that I've seen on on tape, Zach Cooper, who who isn't strong with wrestling, who's got this tendency to pull these um, crazy submissions out of nowhere, I can't be confident that those are the exact problems I'm going to face in that cage. We're aware of those. We're aware. We're aware of those challenges that he presents. His ability to be on his back to be in what should be a, a non-dominant position and just pull a submission out. Like that's a that's a really big threat. That's a really big danger. You know, I'm generally, you know, training with with Roy Marsh, training with Jason Palacios, tra- training with Mikey Pagano. I'm generally really confident in my top positions and being safe where I am. Training with a guy who might 
threaten that confidence is something I've got to be aware of. But, you know, as far as training, it, it's more about developing my whole game, continuing to build my mixed martial arts. Because, again, transitioning back to training, I feel like a lot of times when people talk about MMA, one of my biggest frustrations when people come into the gym, they've got a background, say, you know, oh, I'm a wrestler, you know, and I want to do MMA, but I'm going to do a year of kickboxing first before I do. And it's like, no, you don't need, you know, to be a good MMA fighter, you don't need to learn all of kickboxing, all of wrestling, all of jujitsu to be a good MMA fighter. You just have to find the places where your boxing and wrestling can be the same, where your jujitsu and your rest, where your jujitsu and your Muay Thai clinch can be the same. Because, you know, pummeling with your legs for a spider guard is the same as pummeling for a clinch. And and finding those points and focusing on those points so your body has so your body and your nervous system has to learn the fewest things possible, that's gonna lead to your success in MMA. One thing that I like to ask people, particularly cerebral guys who think a lot about training, is what do you think the biggest training mistake, the most common training mistake that people that are otherwise proficient make? Like, I'm not talking about noobs. I'm talking about people that, you know, have been training a while, maybe have a blue belt, maybe have a couple years of striking. What do you think the biggest mistake those guys make is Um, typically? So overall, I think the biggest mistake that anybody makes is they they don't focus on lifestyle. So they – they come in and they work really hard in the gym and they go straight from the gym and have four beers and a double bacon cheeseburger. So Why are you looking at Trevor? <laughs> hey, hey, I have cut back on that. That is just for Saturdays only now. It's, right. it's now just his it, – now it's just his cheat day. We yeah. got him down to a cheat day, day instead, instead of – the cheat life. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I see it and I, I talk with my coach sometimes. He – He's been around MMA. His introduction to MMA was UFC one, and he taught. And I listen to him tell stories sometimes about guys who, who had the talent. He's like, this guy could have been the next Mayweather. This guy could have been the next GSP or the next um, whoever. And it's like then life got in the way. Guys who, who don't make it their priority, or even when they can't, you know, you know, oh he. He got his girlfriend knocked up, so he had to get a day job, couldn't train as much. Um, so those things where you let the lifestyle kick come in and kick your ass when you don't get when you don't get enough sleep, when you don't eat right, when you don't put the training in outside the the specific gym time, because it's not enough to just come in and train really hard the five nights a week. When I when I camp I kinda make I kinda have two rules that for me to call myself a professional fighter and not just another prize prize fighter, and that's I'm never going to miss weight and I'm never going to gas out. So if I'm going to do those things, that means I have to eat right and I have to do the strength and conditioning outside the actual skill work in order to fulfill those requirements. That makes perfect sense to me. Uh, you know, I, I mean, because you know. You can only, however many hours you train a week, twenty. Mm-hmm. You're living more hours than that, and it's yeah. very, and it's very important to keep you know keep and especially as you, we talked about science earlier. The more we learn about the importance of proper rest, proper nutrition, mm-hmm. the more important the more important we know that that is. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things where we talk about people don't talk about sleep as one of our bodily needs the way that we do air or water, but you think about it, a lot of that comes back to our evolutionary history. You know, when you're when you're hungry, you're Try going 24 hours without food. What does your body tell you? It says, eat or I'm going to tear you apart from your gut. 
I'm going to start cannibalizing your muscles, and I'm going to let you feel every bit of that. Well, for so many thousands of years before artificial light, we didn't have that. There, you know, it just got dark, and when it was dark and we couldn't accept any more sensory information, our brains just shut down. It's just what they did. Nowadays, that artificial light, we haven't subsequently evolved a um, control mechanism for our bodies to force us to get the sleep that it absolutely needs. I mean, this— Which is why people sit on their phone. Like, they go to bed, they sit on their phone for two or three hours. And then like. the— I have to put my phone across the room or, like, outside, like, yeah. so I can hear my alarm go off so I can go you know, to sleep. It, it's yeah. one of those things people talk about, oh, don't drink and drive. You know, it's terrible. You got have over a .08 and you're impaired. Well, you go 24 hours without sleep and you're more impaired as far as judgment-making and perception than if you were to have that .08 alcohol level. You know, it goes back to some of my time in the Army. We, I get frustrated sometimes because we'd have these safety briefings, don't drink and drive, and then we put soldiers on these 24-hour staff duty shifts where they weren't, aren't allowed to sleep and then tell them, to, all right, now drive your 45 minutes home. Yeah. I'm really. like, I, I don't know if I feel comfortable embracing this particular policy mm. issue. Man, it's good to have another nerd on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Feels yeah, really you're good. Stuck with so, my caveman. <laughs> so, so like, what you're saying hungry, is, is that angry. we can do D and D after this? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. You are a big D and D guy, right? I, I am right. a yeah. super nerd. Yeah. So, so uh, Cody Malte uh, Bubbly calls me the Vegan Assassin, which is an awesome nickname. <laughs> and I want to make shirts that have the half orc assassin from the original D and D books <laughs> on the shirts. Chris, so, is over nice. here, Chris, Chris is over here like, nerd. Although I, Chris is I over here like, what's you're, D&D? You're a, bit, yeah. you're a bit tiny to be a half-orc anything. They might have to have oh you as a halfling gosh, assassin. Yeah, no, this right halfling now. vegan assassin. Oh, man. <laughs> James, you got to be on the show every week. Um, <laughs> so th- those are great answers, like, about biggest training mistake. I think people don't focus enough on lifestyle and don't focus enough on, like, what actual rigorous, you know, peer-reviewed scientific data are telling us about how much we need to sleep. Well, and, and it can be hard because, you know, we're, one, we're creatures of habit. Two, we're going to – it's about priorities and convenience. You know, I talk about when people are coming into – because Fayetteville, it's it's built around Fort Bragg mostly. That's wh- where a lot of our population base and the economy is kind of based on. And it's not everything, but we get – it ends up meaning that you get a lot of people from a lot of different places coming together. And you get – which means you get both the best and the worst of America all crammed together in one place. It's one of the reasons I think Team Rock has been such a dominant team for so long because we, you know, when you have 80,000 soldiers, how many soldiers do you think there are who aren't at least some sort of athlete to be part of that, you know, one half of 1% who are, who are in the Army, who are part of that, you know, it's something like seven to, only 7 to 10% of the relevant population in America can meet the standards of the military. So you have this just concentration of young athletes coming to the area and team rocks like half a mile from post it's can you know on a major throwaway out of the post you guys also have the have the on base influence as well yeah that that makes a that has a huge influx to the off base as well you guys have a lot of athletes coming through there man it's scary (laughs) yeah well i mean you know being able to offer things like having roy marsh come to the 82nd fight house every monday and teach a class free to all dod card holders when you can build that kind of a fundamental base and then have them find out that oh you know i teach out here in southern pines for those of you who live out in southern pines but if you live in fayetteville go to fayetteville Mm -hmm. um so the these are all things that kind of play into i think why why we're so successful as a team but um you know 
Uh, no, we, I just want to point out we have about five minutes left with James Quigg. Mm-hmm. So this is the time when I want to give you the opportunity. If we, if we, if there's something I haven't asked about, you want to make sure it gets out there that folks know about you, the folks know about your career, know about your team, or if you just want to give shout outs, I just want to make sure you have the time to do that. Um, you know, honestly, I'd I'd be happy to uh, just continue venting about how awesome uh, how how awesome it is to be up here. I really appreciate y'all having me. I just love nerding out about. You know, whether it's D&D or MMA, trying to think through all of the different things that play in to make a six that make a career successful, because I know that's a big question for me. You know, I'm just getting started out and I did the math one time. If I got paid minimum wage for all the time that I put into training four to six hours for six weeks to come into a fight and included the hours for the weigh in and the, you know, the prep time for the fight itself, I'd make about a thousand dollars. You know that, and that would be just to show up to meet the minimum wage obligations for the hours that I'm putting in. But you know, I'm doing good to get three hundred dollars to show up and a three hundred dollar bonus if I win. That I can't, I can't sustain that. I can't take a fight, you know, every two weeks. I can't take, you know, I may not be able to take a fight every month. So trying to find ways to survive and make sure that I can live the lifestyle that I need to live, invest the time I need to invest, and be able to. Um, you know, pay my bills and my expenses, it's, these are questions I have to ask myself, you know, so now I'm getting ready to open up an Edward Jones branch office off uh, Highway 87 between Sanford and, and Spring Lake, and that's trying to pay my bills, Um, yeah, I mean, that's, given that financial advice, it really makes me stop back and think to the, think about the people who have the talent but don't get into it because they can't cover the finances because they you know they want to live a certain lifestyle you want you know they want to live the lifestyle that Floyd Mayweather looks like he lives rather than the one he actually lives people are like oh you know Floyd was in the club last night it's like yeah Floyd was in the club he threw a stack of cash in the air and by the time the last dollar hit the ground he was back in the gym you know so it's kind of that that head fake like Look at the lifestyle people are actually living and try to find a way to structure your life. Um, I know I want to say it was Tito Ortiz used to um, build his schedule so that he wouldn't, you know, he would be up and he would do a training session about between midnight and 2 a.m. because that's right around the time his fights would end up being. He'd end up, if he was going to have, if somebody was going to have a uh, time zone change, they would start to train on that new time zone that they were actually going to be fighting in. So their body was in that pattern. So these are just different ideas that roll around in my head. But ultimately, you know, it comes back to martial arts is problem solving and you've got to tailor it. You've got to use that toolbox to solve the problem you have in front of you, whether it's a street fight and people confronting you. You know, whether you're like I was a 70 pound middle schooler, um, you know, getting pushed around by kids who outweigh you by 50 pounds, maybe a terrible idea to put, a, you know, a state champion wrestler in a headlock and then I suplex you and, you know, now you don't put your hands on me anymore, but you're still not afraid to say mean things about me because, oh, you know, you're just a wrestler. You're just a little kid. But, you know, I learn and I adapt and I figure out how to solve those problems. Yes, you do. Folks, James Quigg fights. He makes his pro debut February 20th in Georgia. Please check our Facebook page this week, not only to see a technique that he's going to teach after he spars with Trevor, but also to get tickets so you can support him, show that North Carolina martial arts is on the come up. And we would love to have you back on the show after you make that pro debut and hopefully bring home the W. So 
Definitely. Yeah, thank Love you. Love to be back on here chatting with you guys. Yeah, man, I've had a blast. This is one of my favorite interviews that we've no, done yeah, so far. Oh, yeah, it's great to, like, sit back and, like, actually, like, talk to you about, like, fighting. Like, we've, we've <laughs> talked, like, we've run to each other a bunch, we've talked, like, here and there, but it's like, oh, this is the mind of James. I like it. Yeah. yeah. I also it's a dark and scary place, <laughs> isn't <No>. it? <laughs> I also like the mind of James because I do like dark and scary places. Folks, as a parting note, uh, my thanks to James Quigg, thanks to Trevor, intern Chris. Um, next week, Rob the Lord Humongous, a.k.a. Rob Austin from the Big Jiu-Jitsu Podcast will join us. Please just tune in from that. Rob's going to call in from Germany. That's going to be super fun. A couple of quick notes before we get on out of here and let Tune in the Real Law play us out. Please hold May 1st for the Concussion Cast Carnival. It's going to be a super fun live event. I promise you that. And I forgot to mention during the news segment, we're doing a special Valentine's Day show. If you want to help us out by telling us why you love martial arts, whatever martial art you practice, you can call us at 360-389-2830 and leave us a voicemail with your tale of passion for punching, for choking, for wrestling, submission grappling, or whatever it is. So please get at us and do that. Once again, many thanks to James Quigg. And as always, Thanks to you, the listener. We're going to let Tune in the Real Law play us out. 